Hi, I'm Mike Sibley, leader of the James Moore Manufacturing Team. On this episode of Moore Manufacturing, we're going to do a little different presentation than we normally do. I'm going to go over some year-end uh, roundup of financial reporting and tax considerations. Uh, just, just some things as we're getting ready to approach the end of the year. We've got about a month left uh, until we hit the end of the year. And these are some things to be thinking about, some new things coming out this year that could impact you. And some things to even be thinking about for, for 2023 as you're getting ready to move into a, a whole new year. It's hard to believe that here we are, but, uh, you know, we are. And, and this is uh, the time that I usually start getting some different questions about preparing for year end. So I thought it'd be good to end with some of the common questions that I that I usually get. So let's just jump into it and uh, start talking about some things that or may affect you this year. So the first thing I'm going to hit on is financial reporting. Now, many of you have to have financial statements that you submit to the bank uh, for whether they're compiled, reviewed, or audited. Um, maybe some of you only have to hand in tax returns, and, and this really won't have a really big impact. But there is a new standard coming out that affects what your financial statements may look like, and that's uh, these new lease standards. And basically what this really means is for companies that have leases, say you're leasing your building, you're renting uh, out, uh, say uh, you have substantial equipment that you rent, things that you're just paying on a monthly basis uh, that might last two, three years, maybe with a building, it could be 10, 15, 20 years. In the past, all those were just treated as straight expense, uh, no impact on your balance sheet unless you had a capital lease. Uh, these types of leases specifically that I'm referring to are called operating leases. Well, the financial reporting standards changed, and this year, starting with 2022, 1231-2022, uh, operating type leases along with, with capital leases will now be reported as an asset and a liability on your financial statements. So this could have a, a big impact on your liabilities, your current liabilities, and banks may or may not realize that this is going to have going to be coming through and, and your liabilities could potentially go up if you're leasing uh, particularly with buildings because you could have a long-term lease that has a big uh, liability still still outstanding now why is this going to be impactful well a lot of times banks have what's called debt covenants and debt covenants can have things like uh, working capital uh, requirements. They can have debt to equity or debt to EBITDA requirements in their calculations. And it's possible that when you add in these liabilities that were never there before, but yet you were paying these, these bills, you're paying these uh, lease uh, bills, that now all of a sudden they could throw you out of compliance with your covenants. And so it's, it's a good idea that if you do have to report your financial statements to your bank, that you're, you're having a conversation now uh, if you have uh, outstanding leases, if you have operating leases, again, such as a building, substantial equipment, things like that, that um, could have an impact. Uh, I know I've talked to some banks and they're going to evaluate it on a case-by-case -case basis because a lot of times these debt covenants were written pre uh, the lease standards or without the lease standards in mind. And so it's something that's going to be a, a pretty significant change. That's something you should be talking to if you haven't started talking to your accountant yet. I know a lot of accounting firms are starting to work on these calculations. They're relatively complicated. Um, but it, again, if, if you do lease 
uh, whether it's a building or equipment, and you do turn financial statements into your bank, this is something that you're going to want to be thinking about now and having a conversation so that way you can evaluate the impact. Uh, it's possible you may not even have debt covenants or you may not have debt covenants that are impacted by it. That's a good reason to get with your get with your CPA now and, and figure that out um, be, before you get to the end of the year, just so you have a good idea on that. So that's really it on the financial reporting side of things. I'm going to jump into the tax side of things now uh, with first hitting the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Now, for the most part, a lot of companies uh, under a billion are not going to be impacted by this. It was really the, the main part of this was impacting uh, companies that had over a billion and they were really trying to get companies who were very, very large, showed substantial financial statement income, yet had little to no taxable income. So there was there's a, a calculation that goes back in uh, taxes based on financial statement income. But again, this is for very, very large companies. But there are a few pieces that may impact uh, smaller companies. For example, there was some changes. This is this already existed, uh, 179D, but uh, for when you're putting in energy efficiency improvements into commercial buildings, there are some benefits to enhancing deductions. Now, as you know, there's bonus depreciation, there's 179 expense, a lot, of, a lot of you are familiar with those, those terminology, but there is an energy efficiency component to that. Again, this is something you should discuss with your CPA if you've done substantial improvements to your building. On another hand, there's been, uh, this isn't new, but for a long time, there's been the ability to do what's called cost segregation. Uh, this is where if you, again, have done substantial improvements or you're building a, a building or you've recently purchased one where you can actually componentize certain comp pieces of, of the building rather than depreciate it over 39 years, you might be able to speed up that depreciation and perhaps even take bonus or 179 depending on how that is broken out. So again, anytime you're doing something substantial with a building or to a building, it's worth having a conversation to see if some of that uh, allows you to depreciate even faster. There's also, as part of the Inflation Reduction Act, a, a new component called this Advanced Manufacturing Production Credit. And this new production credit is eligible for uh, solar energy if you're if you're if you're um, producing components that relate to solar energy wind energy um, inverters battery components qualifying battery components and other areas of solar energy uh, or or alternative energies I should say uh, in the United States um, there's there's some credits that can be pretty substantial to that. So it's thinking about components that go into alternative energies. So if, you, if you're involved in anything like that, that may be something to start looking at. It doesn't really apply until 2023. So it's time to start planning and thinking about that sooner rather than later. There's also uh, a production of clean hydrogen component as well. Again, that's for hydrogen produced after 2022. Not sure a lot of companies are, are involved in that. Uh, but certainly with the uh, advanced manufacturing production credit for components related to alternative energies, it's potential to see a lot more companies involved in those kind of things. So those are just a few pieces of the Inflation Reduction Act that may or may not have an impact on you coming up. But 
so particularly you may have some for 2023. Uh, aside from that, there is also a change in the R&D credit and how that's not so much the credit, but R&D expenses. Uh, several years ago, when the 2018 tax law changed, there was some, some change in the R&D credit. Um, and basically, R&D expenses for 2022 going forward are now required to be, for tax purposes, capitalized and then amortized over five years. So when we talk about capital, let's just say you have $100,000 of R&D expenses. Basically, what that means is you have to put it on your balance sheet for tax purposes and amortize that over five years. So you're not getting the full deduction for it. Um, there's still credit available. You can still get the R&D credit, but this is going to have a little bit of an impact on uh, those R&D expenses and the calculation. Certainly, if you've got significant R&D expenses or you're starting to accumulate quite a bit of R&D expenses, you need to be looking at the R&D credit. A lot of times manufacturers don't realize that uh, things like uh, prototyping, uh, product development, process improvement, enhancements, things of that nature can qualify. And it's the, the there's a labor component, there could be materials and supplies that go into those things. So there's, there's a lot of components to that. And so certainly if you're not uh, thinking about the R&D credit and you're doing some of those things, it's worth having a conversation about. But the R&D expenses are going to be treated differently uh, for tax purposes now and being amortized over five years. Uh, there's some out there who believe that this is there, there's been there seems to be some support in Congress for uh, removing this change, removing this requirement. However, uh, nothing has happened on that as of yet. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye and see if it does change. But for now, uh, at this point, we're moving forward, assuming that we're going to have to start capitalizing those. And of course, from a tax planning standpoint, if you have substantial R&D credit, R&D expenses, uh, that, that could have an impact on your tax planning implications. And again, that's something we want to start thinking about sooner rather than later. Uh, so you're not having huge surprises come April 15th or March 15th. Um, when when your tax when your taxable income is being determined. So let's talk about now some typical reminders uh, that we have. Again, this is this is where I get a lot of questions every year. Hey, what can we do? And then we're, when we're going through the tax planning process with clients, these are some of the things that we're we're talking about. So the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, equipment purchases. Uh, we get down to the point of people are trying to say, Hey, I've, I've had a lot of income this year. Should I buy some equipment? My first response is if you if you're going to buy anyway then go ahead and and do that it's a good time just get it in service before the end of the year so we can take advantage of bonus depreciation the key thing is that it does have to be in service you know alternatively you never spend a dollar to save 30 cents or 37 cents or whatever the, whatever your marginal tax rate might be you know if if you don't need the piece of equipment or you're just buying something just to Get a tax deduction. I'd rather you save. I'd rather you keep the other seventy cents and have all of that cash at least. Um, but again, if it's something you need, if it's something that you're really, it's going to help your manufacturing a process facility. You need it to do increase production, whatever it might be. Um, then I think that's a that's a good idea. Now, vehicles. Uh, this is one of the other questions we get a lot of. Vehicles. Uh, they have special depreciation rules. Usually large vehicles over 6,000 pounds, uh, you can take immediate deductions, but 
vehicles under that, uh, particularly if you get cars and um, you know small SUVs and things like that. A lot of times there's very limited depreciation that you can be that that can be taken and it gets taken over time. And on top of that, you often have with those kind of vehicles a lot of personal use, and the personal use uh, generally needs to be accounted for as wages or um, non-deductible expenses. So there's a lot of limitations when you get into vehicles and there's a lot of things to be careful about. So anytime you're looking at uh, purchasing a vehicle to get a tax deduction, that's something I think you should talk again, talk to your CPA about and make sure that you're making the best decisions for uh, what's really going to be a, a good bang for your buck, what's, what's really going to save you money and what's, what's going to save those taxes, uh, again, based on things that you really need for your business. I mentioned this before, uh, but making substantial improvements to your building, or if you've you've built a building and it's in service now, uh, you know, added substantial energy efficient components to your building, things like that. Again, that's something that we may be able to have some some cost segregation uh, studies done and some look at how can we speed up any of those any of those improvements to get deductions now. Now, depreciation, of course, is a time value of money thing. Uh, with depreciation, you're going to get your deduction. It's just a matter of whether it takes a little longer to get it or you can speed it up. Oftentimes, obviously, we like to speed it up, get our money now, and we at least have the use of those tax savings now. Uh, I know there's there's a lot of different philosophies on that. Some people don't like to take the bonus because it makes their income kind of herky-jerky, goes up and down. and uh, generally speaking, we try to, as much as possible, uh, take those deductions when we can, because you never know what's going to happen in the future in terms of, you know, whether we're talking about recessions or, you know, other equipment purchases, especially if you're a company that continues to have a lot of CapEx each year, uh, just because of the nature of your business or you're replacing a lot of machinery and equipment over a period of a few years. Taking that, you, you can almost get a, a few years of, of, of a good cycle of depreciation going there, uh, particularly while I, while I know a lot of companies have been very successful the last couple of years and have some good backlog going into 2023. Um, so again, those are things to consider when you're, when you're looking at depreciation. Uh, next one is cash basis versus accrual basis. A few years ago with the 2018 tax law, a lot of manufacturers for the first time could actually convert to cash basis. Now this makes sense sometimes, uh, particularly if your receivables and prepaids uh, are substantially more than your payables and your accrued liabilities, there's some potential to defer that income using cash basis methodologies. Uh, that's not right for every, every business, not right for every manufacturer. It's something that you have to go through. Uh, and, and for manufacturers on a cash basis, generally they're accrual basis. So uh, oftentimes things that you can do to make sure that you're, uh, you know, maximizing from a, on an accrual basis, you can certainly delay shipments at the end of the year, delay those shipments because on an accrual basis, you uh, report income when it's shipped, when, that, when you record those receivables, basically. So that brings up another Another component is making sure you get a good cutoff, you know, on an accrual basis, make sure you get everything booked properly, make sure you get all your payables in. Oftentimes what I see is uh, when you get into January and beyond and late January, invoices that come in that relate back to the previous year just get put into that new year. So 2022 invoices that come in in 2023, oftentimes I see them in 2023. 
put them back in 2022 to make sure you're getting maximizing the expenses that need to go into your financials so you can get those deductions. Again, under accrual basis, uh, that's a good strategy to make sure everything is in there. Under cash basis, what you want to do is make sure that, you know, make sure that it's, it's more about collections. What have you collected this period of time? Uh, so, and what have you paid out? So oftentimes you can control those payables by paying things in advance uh, or paying, um, paying bills. Let's just say you were going to pay bills the first week of January, the second week of January, and you've got the cash on hand. You can make those cash payments and still get and get that deduction now. Under a cash basis, if you wait to make the payment even a few days into January, you're going to defer that deduction for a whole year. Likewise, you can use lines of credit and to draw to, to get enough cash so you can make those payable payments. Or you can use you can even use credit cards to uh, make those payments. Credit cards under cash basis are still deductible. So those are some various things you can think about as you're getting prepared for the end of the year, uh, whether you're cash basis or accrual basis. Um, the next area, and this is particularly for uh, well, both actually, but cash and accrual basis, because for a manufacturer under cash basis, you can still have inventory on your books. Uh, so make sure you're really evaluating your inventory. You don't get a deduction for inventory until you actually write it off, until you dispose of that inventory. So if you've got obsolete inventory, obsolete inventory, one, has carrying costs that, with it, that come with it. So if, you're, if you have a section of inventory that's old and obsolete, people are moving it, people are managing it. It probably gets counted when you're doing your year-end inventory or your cycle counts, things of that nature. So time is actually still kind of accruing to that. It takes up space. So if you've got older obsolete inventory, dispose of it, fire sale, whatever you need to do that, that gets it out of your inventory, and then you can take a deduction for it. There's no sense in carrying. If you're carrying that old inventory on your books, it, it's not doing you any good. It's costing you money. Get it, get it off the books. Similar to that, we have accounts receivable. Uh, on an accrual basis, you recognize your receivables as income when you ship those items. So if you've got receivables on your books that are old, they're not collectible, you're just carrying them, you haven't cleaned up that list in a while, go through that list, write them off, make sure they're, they're written off so that way you can, that way you don't pick it up as income. So, at, so if you sold something in June of 2022 and it's still a receivable as of December of 2022. Maybe that company's gone out of business for whatever reason they're disputing it and you're never going to collect on that. Write it off, get the deduction for it, or or in other words, not pick up the income for it, and that makes it a little bit. So you're not paying tax on something that you haven't collected or won't collect. Is the bottom line there? Another area is year-end bonuses. Uh, year-end bonuses are fine if you're on a accrual basis. Year-end bonuses you can accrue. All but the shareholders, you can't. If you accrue shareholders, it's not going to get. To, it's not going to be a deduction. Uh, shareholders don't get that benefit. Um, but you do have to pay it. But for everyone else, you do have to pay it within three and a half months. The same with uh, vacation and things like that. If you're cash basis, those year-end bonuses need to be paid out before the end of the year. So there's some differences you need to think about going back to the cash versus accrual basis. Um, that will that will make a difference. Uh, for you. So there's different strategies you can use to, to look at preparing for year end. Another area is do you have a retirement plan? There's there's all sorts of retirement plan options out there, especially if you're a company that produces a lot of cash and has a lot of cash availability. 
You, you can look at profit sharing plans. There's also cash balance plans. Um, there's different types of matches uh, that, you know, you have to be, you have to really get with your third party administrator and your CPA because there's a balance between what you need to make sure that you're not discriminating against your employees versus what can go to yourself as a shareholder. But with these cash balance plans, there's a potential to put more away for you and your family uh, and get a big tax deduction, potential big tax deduction. But again, you have to look at, does it make sense with how much you have to make sure you're, you're providing for the employees as well? So there's some calculations that go through for a cost benefit standpoint uh, that makes, uh, that could make sense for you. Uh, another area that often comes up is what should the owner's salary be? Uh, sometimes we see salaries that are just way, way too high, which hurts you because there's another uh, qualified business income deduction that you get on your, especially if you're a pass-through entity, an S-Corp or partnership, usually it's S-Corps we see, uh, that actually gets reduced if you're taking out too large of a salary. Your salary needs to be considered reasonable under IRS rules. And so you need to determine what reasonable is and not pay substantially more than that because it's hurting your ability to get some of the, this, this QBI deduction as we refer to it. Uh, again, this is something that there's not great definitions out there for um, uh, reasonable salaries. There's, there's ways to look into it and come up with a good number on that. Uh, but that's something to also think about, talk with your CPA and see if you can't come up with something that you're comfortable and reasonable. As always, there's, there's a lot of different nuances to each business, to how you run your business, to how you're uh, managing expenses, cash versus accrual, tax basis versus financial statement basis of accounting. So there's a lot of different things that can come into play that I've not touched on here. Uh, so that's something that, again, I would encourage you to uh, contact your CPA and have those discussions now so you can start planning. There's still some time to get some things done before the end of the year. And, uh, you know, hopefully that finds, uh, gives, hopefully this gives you the ability to kind of think about some things differently. And with that, again, I encourage you to reach out to your uh, CPA, reach out to us, reach out to me to uh, ask any questions. We'd be happy to talk through anything with you. And with that, I hope you have a great rest of your day. To learn more about James Moore and Company's manufacturing services, go to jmco.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our More on Manufacturing series to receive updates when new videos and podcasts are released. If you'd like to be a guest, or if there's a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, contact us on our website. You can also follow us on social media for more news as the landscape on manufacturing continues to rapidly evolve.